Good morning, brothers and sisters here in the building. Good morning, brothers and sisters joining us online. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't the Holy Spirit amazing to keep us connected in this season when we are distant? I'm so grateful to God for his faithfulness to us. I'm grateful for the opportunity, as always, uh, to be able to preach, especially here with my church family. I'm also glad for the opportunity to offer a little bit of reprieve to Pastor X, uh, who's able to get a little bit of rest. Um, He's not going anywhere, but uh, relaxing at home and getting some much-needed rest uh, this week. Uh, He gives so much of himself um, as he faithfully leads us, cares for us, teaches us, and calls us to a deeper and braver walk with Jesus. And I don't know if you know this, I know there's a few in the building who know, uh, that living out a call to ministry is not always easy. (laughs) Um, Even in normal circumstances, whatever that might be, (laughs) living out a call to ministry is not easy. It's hard work. Um, And especially when you have taken a call where most of the people don't look like you and perhaps have never had a, a boss or any sort of leader who looks like you. Um, when you've taken a call in a, a season of pandemic that no one could predict, um, it can be exhausting. <laughs> it can be exhausting. So we pray for rest and rejuvenation for Pastor X, and we are so grateful that he is here. Uh, and, and I'm so grateful to be on his team with Pastor Josiah and Kevin um, because we really believe that here at Naper Cove, uh, we can do something different That is why we are teamed up in ministry together. We believe that despite what our culture may say, despite what history we've been given, we believe that faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ calls us to a new kind of community, to a hard, exhausting work uh, that calls us to a new kind of community, one that doesn't follow the patterns of this world that divides us into castes and cliques, haves and have-nots, but reflects the beautiful diversity of God's kingdom and the humble servanthood of Jesus Christ, who gave his life so that we could be reconciled to God and to one another. It is not an easy call. But I know that many of you are here because you believe in that call too. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, And uh, we believe that we are called to this new kind of community because it is what the living word of God calls us to. So as I prepare to preach from this living word, uh, would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word uh, with my church family today. Uh, We think of Pastor X uh, with the ability of taking a a weekend off. We pray that you would bless, strengthen, encourage him. Um, but God, we, uh, we pray now that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to each one of us, that you would use me, Lord, as your vessel, um, that what I've prepared, perhaps what I haven't prepared, that you would use it, Lord, to draw us closer to yourself, draw us closer to your priorities in our lives and in our world. We trust you with this time, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So our scripture today is from John 21. I believe it will be up on the screen. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, uh, feel free to pull that out. We'll be reading John 21, verses 1 through 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. 
Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I've always been fascinated by these stories of Jesus appearing after the resurrection. You know, the drama of Good Friday and Easter is is huge, of course, but there's this line at the beginning of Acts that says that after his suffering, Jesus showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Forty days between Jesus rising from the dead on Easter and rising up to heaven uh, with what we call in the church the ascension. Forty days. What, What was he doing in all that time? Well, he showed up for people to show them he was really alive. He showed up for people to help them understand God's word. He showed up for people to give them what they needed to continue his ministry on earth. Last week, Pastor X preached from John 21, when Jesus shows up to those frightened disciples, not only speaking words of peace, but giving them the Holy Spirit, which would actually empower them to overcome their fear and work for the real peace and wellness of all those whom Jesus came to save. A week after that event, which we're skipping over in this series, but uh, John tells us that Jesus showed up in particular for Thomas so that Thomas could see and believe that Jesus really was alive. So when Jesus shows up in John 21, the passage we just read, it's definitely more than a week after Easter, maybe longer. We don't really know. We know that the disciples have moved on from Jerusalem to Galilee, near what John refers to as the Sea of Tiberias, but commonly known as the Sea of Galilee. 
It's actually the place where Peter grew up. And here on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, we learn perhaps one of the most important things that there is to know about Jesus. And that is that he is a man who can cook. (laughs) Have you heard that song? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he cooked for me. I'm sorry. I'm being silly. And I'm getting ahead of myself here. It's just really fun to think about, though, isn't it? First, let's set the scene. Because at the beginning of this scene, Jesus has not showed up yet. At the beginning of this scene, uh, we know that it's at least a a week or two since the miraculous resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, He's appeared to his disciples at least twice, assuring them that this is for real, giving them the Holy Spirit. But here they are in a fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee, fishing for fish. (laughs) They're fishing for fish. Not people, as they were called when they first met Jesus. Now, in Matthew and Mark Gospels, the angels at the tomb tell the women that Jesus will go on ahead of them to Galilee and that they will see him there. So the fact that they're in Galilee already tells us there is some obedience happening here. Uh, They uh, had presumably been instructed through those angels to go on to Galilee. So they're, they're in the right place generally, right? And some commentators are really hard on the disciples here, that they've completely abandoned their mission. They have completely uh, turned away from the call that Jesus had for them, and now they're just out there back to the same old work that they did before they met Jesus. But I mean, even in this post-resurrection reality, they still had to eat, right? (laughs) John doesn't really tell us what prompted Simon Peter to go fishing and the disciples to go along with him. We can imagine that hunger was a factor, right? But there probably was some comfort in getting back out on the water. They'd been through so much, and it probably felt nice to just do something ordinary, like fishing, I know we've all had moments in this last year where something felt like, oh, it just feels like a little bit what life used to be like. Our worlds have been so turned upside down by this pandemic, and those little glimpses of ordinary life can feel comforting to us, can't they? And for the disciples, their world had been turned upside down as well. They had witnessed the Jewish leaders collude with the Roman government to torture and execute the Lord they'd followed for three years. And then a few years later, three few days later, they learned that he really meant it when he said he was going to rise on the third day. And he shows up with his scars and all. So maybe a little bit of ordinary life brought some comfort to these disciples. But I can only imagine how they felt when they got to the early morning and they still hadn't caught anything. They were probably starting to feel pretty unsettled, maybe even a little empty. Their nets surely were empty. Now, I don't really fish much or at all, but I know what it's like to plant a seed and tend it and not have anything grow. 
I know what it's like to need a, a, a loaf, uh, what should be a loaf of bread, and, and not have it rise. I know what it's like to clean up a room and have small children follow behind and immediately mess it right back up. <laughs> Just making sure you're listening. <laughs> Sometimes our work can feel futile, right? But it's in that moment of emptiness, that moment that we can only imagine was discouraging, frustrating. It's in that moment that Jesus shows up. It's in that moment that Jesus shows up. The disciples don't even realize it's him, but they hear his voice, making what might have been a strange suggestion to them to cast the net on the other side. But what did they have to lose, right? And there it is, the reality that ordinary life just isn't so ordinary anymore. Jesus shows up, they respond, and all of a sudden their net is completely full of fish. And scholars love to debate what the number 153 means, uh, but best we can guess, it's just it was a lot of fish. It was a lot. And it's at that moment that the anonymous beloved disciple knows it is the Lord. It's the same Lord who started his ministry at an ordinary wedding, making it extraordinary by turning water into wine. The same Lord who took a young boy's ordinary lunch of five loaves and two fish right there by the Sea of Tiberias and fed a crowd of thousands with food to spare. It's the same Lord who said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The moment of recognition in this story, writes scholar Caroline Lewis, the moment of recognition is when lack is transformed to abundance, when despair is moved to hope, when abandonment is replaced with the restoration of relationship. Next week, Pastor X will talk about the conversation that Jesus has with Peter that follows where his relationship is restored. Jesus shows up, he speaks up, he fills up their net with what they need, and then he serves up breakfast. He's a man who can cook. Jesus enters into this ordinary moment with his extraordinary love and grace. He has breakfast on the beach with his disciples. I have to say, one of the things that I miss the most about life before kids, I love being a mom of those giggly boys. One of the things that I miss is quiet breakfast with Jesus. I can't say I've ever been able to do them on the beach, maybe one day. I brought one of my favorite mugs, which honestly, I can't have breakfast until I've had coffee, anyone else. But this says, uh, when I rise, give me Jesus, um, which, of course, is a song I also like to start the day with. Um, coffee, Jesus, maybe some quiet. <laughs> um, life is a little busier and hectic with three kids. But here's one of the things that I'm learning as a mom is that everyone still needs to eat breakfast. 
Everyone still needs to eat breakfast. <laughs> and if we can maybe do it at the same time and maybe have a Bible nearby, we can still start the day together with Jesus. And I love that Jesus enters into this ordinary moment with his extraordinary grace. And ordinary and extraordinary are together in that moment. And I believe that he shows us that, that we, can, we can have that too. We can start the day together with Jesus. Because without Jesus, we, we can't do much. You know, back to earlier in John again. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We want to bear fruit. We want to make a difference for Jesus. We want to see lives flourish. And we cannot do it without Jesus. So friends, can we trust that Jesus will show up and lead us in his resurrection life? Can we trust that Jesus will show up in the ordinary moments and call us to something extraordinary? A life of discipleship, of following him. A life patterned after this Savior who gave of himself. And even after resurrection, he could be off anywhere, impressing people anywhere. And yet here he is on the beach feeding his own disciples. Filling them up with his love and his grace. Think about that next time you're cooking breakfast for your family. Or pouring breakfast for your family. I want to read a, um, a short passage from a book by Ann Voskamp called The Way of Abundance. And when I first picked up this book, I was like, oh, The Way of Abundance is going to be about, you know, all our blessings and yay, yay, celebrating uh, all that God gives us, which I'm, I'm all for that. But um, I was pleasantly surprised um, by the way she talks about the brokenness that actually leads to real abundance. Because that's the pattern of Jesus. His life was broken and poured out, and then he's raised from the dead, and he fills up the nets, and he fills up our lives with his grace. So uh, she asked this question, why? Why you with your broken heart? Why do you bother to keep getting out of bed? This is what I know. Nothing is more necessary than finding God and falling in love and deeper into him. What you are in love with decides what you get out of bed for. Fall in love, fall into sacrifice, and you will always rise. Go fall in love with grace and mercy and the only one who has ever loved you to death. And back to the realest abundant life. Because the world is begging for all of us to get out of bed and live given Get out of bed and sacrifice for someone hurting, for someone different, for someone forgotten or marginalized, to hold the hand of someone who doesn't look like us, to lean in and listen to someone angry and grieving and doubting the likes of us, to give a bit of ourselves to those who feel like they aren't given much space at the table. This is the love that Jesus has shown and that we are called to follow after. Friends, this has been a season, a week, a month, a year with so much brokenness, so much heartache. And for as much as we yearn for life to go back to normal, it can't and it won't and it probably shouldn't 
because we need to lean and live into the ways of Jesus' resurrection. We need to learn the ways of hope and life and peace. I mean, it sounds heavenly, hope and life and peace. And yet for the time being, we are called to live here on this earth, right here on this planet that is groaning for salvation, right here in this country that is plagued with violence right here in the middle of this pandemic that has taken the lives of three million people across the globe. 566,000 lives lost to COVID here in the United States. We can't go back to ordinary life. We need to move out of the brokenness into the abundant life of given, given in Christ. In an article um, from a couple months ago by Terrence Lester for Relevant Magazine, he, he writes about this, um, what we can learn from this time that we've been in. He said, only when Jesus' way of thinking that everyone is worthy of our care, only when this becomes the new normal will we be able to move forward from this moment in history that contains a global pandemic and a growing racial divide And then we can say that we're actually better for it. What a waste it would be not to learn from this historical season. What a waste it would be just to call this a difficult time that we went through without seizing it as a moment for change. The process of learning from this crisis will require real effort from everyone. And it means that the people who would call themselves Christians can no longer rest upon church attendance as a measure of their faithfulness to the call of God. A relationship with God must supersede our social context. We must begin to look more and more like Jesus in our behaviors and values and in our day-to-day lives. We must begin to look more and more like Jesus, who enters into the ordinary with extraordinary grace, who provides, who cares, who gives of himself. Last week, Pastor X suggested that in the light of the reality of Easter in this new world where Jesus has overcome death, one thing that we need to let die in this life after death, one thing we need to let die is our fear. And I've been thinking about that this week. I don't know if our passage is quite as tidy today with what needs to die, um, but I want to suggest that maybe our self-sufficiency needs to die, or the habits that we hold on to that give us a sense of control. Um, We need to let go of of that desire to to be in charge of the story all the time (laughs) and open up space for Jesus to show up, for Jesus to show up, for Jesus to fill us up, for Jesus to call us out and to care for one another, to care for this broken world that needs him so much. We can't do this ordinary life without Jesus. He calls us to something more. And I'm so grateful that we are together in this, friends. So let's trust in Jesus together as we step into each ordinary day with his extraordinary grace. Let's pray. Jesus, I imagine sitting in that boat feeling frustrated and discouraged and hearing your voice. 
not even being certain what the source of that voice is, and yet responding. And that's what I pray for myself and for my brothers and sisters, that we might hear your voice, that we might see when you show up and be obedient to your call. Help us to show your love in real ways to the world around us. Thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit so that we can overcome our fears, we can overcome um, whatever holds us back from living fully into the love that you have for your whole creation. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Friends, remember the words of Jesus to his disciples and they are to you today. He said, for as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And he gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit to power them up to live into that reality and that calling. So friends, God sends you out into the world today. And may you know that when you go, you go with the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to do amazing things in his name. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.